Hi, I'm Lucas. And I'm Brian. And this is the Quacks Podcast. All right, well, let's, let's get this rolling. Yeah, let's get it uh, rock and rolling. How are Sounds you doing? Good. Dude, I'm doing good. I just got back from a demo, so feeling chill. Nice. Yeah. Are you demoing chill things? Yeah, you know, toothpaste and stuff. It was good times. Nice. But I want to hear about your intermittent fasting, because how long have you been doing it now? It's been a month. It's been at a least. month. Yeah. So I lost track, but yeah, it's just become my routine. Yeah. So you've lost some weight at first and then you've plateaued or right what does away it look I at? lost a I lost, you know, probably f- five, seven pounds in the first week or two. Okay. Um and it came off quick and I could feel it in my pants. I could feel it in just move basic movement. That's um, what she said. <laughs> but it plateaued. And uh, I don't like, maybe it's the foods that I'm eating. There is a certain component where I feel like I'm cramming food into my mouth sometimes just because I know my window is closing. Yeah. Because I think I'll be hungry a few hours from then, whether I'm hungry or not. So it's just, you know, it's a learning experience. I feel like I'm operating at a better level hmm. with cognition. Um, okay. I'm not needing caffeine in the way that I used to. I've got this natural energy that I've got in the morning, which is pretty astounding, where yeah. I, pr- I wouldn't even want probably a cup of coffee on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, int- that's interesting because I worry a little bit about that that spike in energy in the morning, that that could be some stress hormones. But anyway, go on. Well, thank thank them for me, or I will thank them because <laughs> it, it's working. But um, it's it, it might be. Who knows? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't feel, though, like shakiness, like, like when my sugar drops. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like that. Okay. So that's, that's why cool. I'm not like... It, it, uh, like, I'm always aware of kind of what's going on with my body and doing maybe more checks than I normally should. Um, hypochondria and all. Uh, I've been suffering since a child. Um, <laughs> but I do kind of know myself. And if I was showing any signs like shakiness or weirdness associated yeah, with that, you. and it's just, yeah, just a bumped up level of energy. So, okay, cool. Which helps with the brain. Yeah. Okay, so generally you lost some weight at first. Uh, you plateaued at now, but you feel better brain-wise. You feel like you can think better? I f- as in the mornings, because I, I usually lag in the mornings pretty good. Oh, so, okay. And I think it just carries throughout the day. Um, but that's just one of the things that I noticed. <clears throat> and it was easy for me to notice right when I'm waking up, going from a, a dead state to, oh, I'm not actually not that groggy. You know, it was a yeah, pretty, that's pretty cool. cool transition. So I don't know. I, I've thought about whether or not I'm going to keep doing this or what. Um, what would be deciding for you? Like what would... Well, uh, being a man of addictions, it's it's my biggest thing is eating at night. And this has kept me from eating at night. So I'm afraid that if I hmm. said I'm not going to do this anymore, if I don't have this certain restriction set up for myself, which is kind of form, you know, it's the formalities of it, of being part of this intermittent yeah. fasting... Um, I, I'm afraid I might slip into some bad patterns. So, uh, or old patterns eating okay. late at night. So we'll see. I'll, I'll keep going for a couple months and I'll, I'll do another update here in a month or so. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks brother. Yeah. I was just curious. So today we're going to talk about, uh, colonoscopies and it's a medical procedure that's very common. Almost everyone goes through one as they get older. Yeah, I need one. The dreaded colonoscopy, yes. And what what did you say? I you, need one. Oh, you've never had one? I have not. Okay, well, this might change your mind, or it might 
convince you to. We'll see. Okay. So there's all these war stories, obviously, of drinking down this horrible juice, crapping your brains out, and then, you know, having this camera uh, shoved up your butt and... You know, they look for polyps and... It's the prep work that everyone's always complaining about so much. Is I mean, they seem to be okay with that second part of it. Yeah, well, usually because they put, put you under, you know, so you don't you don't have to... I'm going to exp- request to be awake. You can, actually. You what? can say, I would like to be awake. Yeah, the oh anesthesia is not Lord. actually necessary from what I've read. It just, it just makes it more pleasant, I guess. I would imagine. Yeah. So a good friend of mine, more pleasant, yeah, okay. more pleasant than it than it already um, is, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So basically, a friend of mine asked me to look into this. Uh, he's a bit older than me. He's asked if I could, you know, uh, what he, what I thought of colonoscopies, basically, if they were a good idea or not. And I didn't really feel like I had a good answer for him, so right. I decided to kind of dive into it, look at the evidence, and I found it both confusing and a little typical of our current medical Uh-oh. establishment. Yeah, there's a lot of conflicting research out there, and the practice it's permeated with self interest, monetary motivations. I feel like we 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 border on being like the 2020 of the natural medical or medical totally. <laughs> sometimes you're building it up and i'm seeing this on but i know that there's going to be some badness here That's associated right. with it. all right <laughs> keep it going yeah so actually what's interesting is back in the 1980s mid 1980s so 1985 deaths from colorectal cancer actually peaked that was the high point on deaths from colorectal cancer 1980s. and they've been coming down since okay. yeah now the reasons for these coming down are a little unclear. Screenings like colonoscopies, they're definitely one aspect of that reduction. Uh, the the cool thing about colorectal cancer, if there is a cool thing about that, is that they develop very slowly. <laughs> so if you have like these precancerous polyps or whatever in your mm. colon, it can take up to 10 years for them to develop into full-blown colorectal cancer. <sighs> so that makes screening for these polyps make a lot of sense, right? right? I mean, you can catch it early. Um, it's It's almost like, just this amazing, amazing test. So at the moment, there are three different screenings for colorectal cancer. And if I didn't maybe explain it earlier, that's what colonoscopies are for. They're f- they're for catching cancers. That's, yes. that's if I didn't make that clear, that's what it's they're for. It's for- not for pleasure purposes. <laughs> it's no. for actually for looking for polyps. So there's three tests, right, for screenings for colorectal cancer. There's uh, what's called the fecal occult blood test, there's the flexible sigmoidoscopy mm. and then the colonoscopy. So the first test is a stool test, and that's where they look for blood. And this is actually a really good test. There's a lot of evidence that this test lowers mortality from colorectal cancer. It's also non-invasive, you know, so there's no real risk involved. I like this. Which is nice. Uh, Now, the second test is similar to a colonoscopy. However, the camera they use to view your colon only goes up one side of your colon. So it's much shorter of a view and it doesn't see your whole colon now the evidence for this test is also really good that so it's it like a semicolon <laughs> wow wow that was good man just you're genius sometimes dude intermittent fasting <laughs> get on it people so this test it also has really good evidence uh, it lowers mortality of colorectal cancer so i mean that's a good test too Then comes the colonoscopy. And what a colonoscopy is, is it puts an endoscope through your entire colon so you can see both the right and the left side. Mm. 
And there's also this polyp removal tool so that the doctor can remove polyps as they see them. And often the patient, as I said, is put under general anesthesia as part of the procedure. Right. And this is kind of where the evidence gets a little shaky. There are a lot more risks when you put someone under and there are more risks in the procedure itself from what's called perforation, which is where you actually puncture your colon while you're doing the test. Oh my gosh. Because if you think about it, you're going up and around the whole colon instead of I've just always up a thought side. About, couldn't that happen? Yeah, it does happen. And then people have to get rushed into surgery. Sometimes they're okay. Sometimes they die. And sometimes they end up with a colostomy bag. Yeah. I mean, any of that stuff. I mean, sure. I've heard horror stories. So Yeah, that's totally right. Yeah, totally right. Now, in my research, it seems really obvious that the first two tests have withstood the test of time. Uh, they've been used often enough to really warrant, I think, their consideration. I'm not really going to go into the research behind those two tests, the sigmoidoscopy and the, the fecal test. Thank you. Um, there are some links in the show notes <laughs> if you're interested. <laughs> the, bo- the bottom line is they've reduced deaths from colonoscopy or from uh, colorectal cancers. Okay. So colonoscopy's story, though, is a little bit shadier. Its rollout seems a little corrupt. It seems like there's some moneyed interest there and maybe some bad data. You here see, we go. Here we go. See, colonoscopy, it's like the dream test from a doctor's perspective, all right? As you're looking for signs of precancerous regions and polyps, you can then remove them as you find them. Astounding. Isn't that amazing? I mean, so the test itself can prevent cancer. So, you know, who wouldn't love that That actually test? saved my ex-wife's life. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. She was having... What happened? Dude, she was 26 when she started having 27 when she started having bleeding in the stool, just light bleeding and then not so light. And then, you know, the darker stuff where you're like, oh boy, this is non-verified, but it's been shared with me. And uh, so essentially- You mean you didn't see it yourself, but you believe it? (laughs) I don't believe I saw it. She might've been so freaked out once that I did participate in in that venture. But I will say that she went in for a colonoscopy, like, at that age, yeah, in, in, in her mid to late twenties, they had a silver. They removed a silver dollar size polyp out of her that was not only precancerous, but it, dude, it was ready to turn. He's like, if we didn't get this out of you, you probably wouldn't be here in two years, or you would be a changed person for oh my sure. Gosh, yes, that's a the, crazy story. And she has to go back in every six months. She's supposed to go every six months to get looked at. Just really? because every her, six months. Well, I think that's what it was originally when she, it first happened, and I'm not sure. I haven't kept up with what what okay. the latest. But she's at least every year, she's supposed to get checked out. Yeah. Which, if you're telling me correctly, she's running a risk every time just going through the procedure. There is. It's not a high risk, and we'll actually go over those numbers. Okay. But anyway, the test itself is actually really a good test. Like I don't I don't want to downplay the test, but its rollout seems very sketchy. So back in 2001 the government added colonoscopies to the Medicare reimbursement plan. And colonoscopies went from tests that were used on those who need them, Mm -hmm. like your ex-wife, to basically everyone from age 50 to 75 needing a colonoscopy. Uh, Generally every 10 years, some people said every four years, or I'm sorry, five years. Right. In fact... At the time when all this is happening, public health agencies, they took out billboard ads telling people to get this test with, you know, funny taglines like protect your bum and like a picture of a plumber's crack. Right. Um, Katie Couric made headlines on the Today Show. I don't know if you remember this by televising her colonoscopy. I kind of remember somebody doing that. Yeah. So, okay. And she claimed it's considered the most effective test for detecting colon cancer. 
Because her dad or her husband actually passed away. From correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. That was kind of part of the tie-in. So basically, the medical industry, they poured massive amounts of money into promoting colonoscopies, and it totally worked. So the amount of screenings between 2000 and 2005 went up. The population as a whole went from 20% having had a colonoscopy to 39% having That's... had a colonoscopy. So it really worked. Wow. Now, the amount of money involved here is staggering, and the routine colonoscopy screenings are like a $10 billion industry. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a lot of money. The only problem is that at the time that all this was going on, there was no actual evidence that massive, you know, mass colonoscopy screenings lowered mortality from colorectal cancer. Mm. So there was no randomized studies. Uh, in 2011, there was a guy named Dr. Robert Hoffman, and he, he really summed this up pretty well. And this is from a public health perspective. He said, the efficacy of colonoscopy has not been supported with randomized trial data. Accuracy is imperfect. Procedural quality is variable. Complications are not uncommon. Endoscopic capacity is limited. Procedure costs are high. And many patients prefer alternative tests. That sounds like a bad Rotten Tomatoes score to me. That, yes, that, <laughs> that is. <laughs> and just to make things clear, you know, we're not talking about whether the test is effective or not, but just whether the risks involve support using, on, using it on everybody indiscriminately. Okay. See, there are risk factors for getting colorectal cancer. So let's go over some of those. Like uh, the main ones for cancer apply. Uh, obesity, smoking, uh, lack of exercise, all those will increase right. anybody's risk for cancer. But for colorectal cancer specifically, the big ones are a family history of colorectal cancer, uh, if you've been treated for other cancers in the past, and a history of IBS in some form or another. Okay. Now, after that, you get into possible connections with colorectal cancer. So uh, if you have your gallbladder removed, if you have a vitamin D deficiency, uh, exposure to radiation in your gut and pelvis, uh, if you have a lot of night shift work, so these will possibly raise your chances for colorectal cancer. That's weird, night shift work. I know, that one was really strange when I read it. I'm like, hmm, night shift work. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but that Take was... Take that one there. on faith. Yeah. Another possible connection is the consumption of processed meats and red meats that are cooked at really high temperatures where carcinogens get produced. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, this one's a real big if, you know, maybe is chronic constipation may or may not be associated with colorectal cancer. So if you have a lot of these risk factors, you know, then getting a colonoscopy can make sense for you. The question is, does it make sense for everyone? You know, that right. that's the question. And while I was researching, one thing I looked at was, you know, what are the risks of actually getting a colonoscopy? You know, what, what are... What ha you know, you yeah, what, what are the are, risk of complications or whatever? Exactly. What are the numbers? So there are different sources that give different numbers, but having a serious complication ranges from one in two hundred and fifty people to one in five hundred people. That would be around half a percent or lower chance of having a complication. But that still seems with the numbers of people that are actually getting this procedure done, not great. Oh, yeah. If you have 14 million people doing them, that's a lot of complications. Oh, my gosh. Uh, now, the chances of death were around 1 in 14,000 or 0.007%. Just from sepsis or nicking the... Yeah, from from basically perforation or just something going wrong. Yeah. Dude, I was all set, had convinced myself it was time to do this thing, and now... Yeah, I mean, one in 14,000, it's pretty low. It's you not know. great. Well, when you think about the numbers for somebody winning the lottery... 
<laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the the interesting thing about that number for death is I don't I don't actually trust that number because the chance of dying from general anesthesia from just being put under is between one in ten thousand and one in five thousand. What? Yeah. So somehow I had no idea it was that that I mean that seems to me like I don't oh my gosh. Well yeah, that's why surgery is bad. You don't want you don't want to get surgeries. Okay, but I didn't know it was that astronomical of, yeah. a, of a number. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So it doesn't make sense to me so that basically getting a colonoscopy means you have less of a chance of dying of going under. You know, you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, 1 yeah. in 14,000 versus yeah. 1 in, yeah, that that doesn't make sense. So that makes me think that the the your Data. chances are better of living if you if, if just going under enough is deadly but have a colonoscopy when you're doing your chances that's right <laughs> that's right you <laughs> will survive more often and i'll reference these numbers in the show notes if you want to go over and see what how i piece these together so not only that but i have a lot of friends who are, this is this is my anecdotal report i have a lot of friends who are nurses and doctors and the amount of unreported mistakes that they see or make on a daily basis is staggering. Really? Staggering. Nurses love to talk shop. And I have sat and listened to stories of doctors prescribing the wrong pills. Oh, yeah. The wrong pill combinations, ordering the wrong tests. Oh, it's you know sick. It is. And all mistakes that eventually get swept under the rug or attributed to some other cause. And it's <laughs> completely it's totally understandable too. Yeah. Right? You know, they make mistakes. They're all sleep deprived. They're running on uppers like Sudafed and ADD. It's meds. okay. They have the largest union in the world behind them. They're gonna be okay, these doctors. Yeah. And they and they also they have this direct financial <clears throat> I mean, incentive to not report mistakes because if you can attribute to something else you're going to save your hospital and maybe your, uh, your, what's it called? Uh, your insurance, a lot of money. Yeah. What is that called that they have insurance? Um, medical insurance? No doctors. They have like that insurance where you're malpractice. Malpractice. There you go. Right. 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 They're going to save themselves some premiums on that. Right. Yeah. And when I mean union, I meant like the whole machine that supports the government. No, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, all that stuff. Hospitals. Yeah, and government, I guess, yeah. because it's all under their watch. Well, that's kind of how this all started, right? It all started with the government approving colonoscopies to be paid for under Medicare. And I'm sure that was lobbied like crazy by hospitals and other people who are going to give these tests. Right. And then they pass it and then they put all this money into advertising saying hey come get your colonoscopy come get your colonoscopy that's right uncle sam's throwing loaded dice everybody so just know you can love them but be aware (laughs) you're like what is this metaphor of uncle (laughs) sam i don't get it but whatever no just the institution's cracked is what i'm saying a little bit so you know while i was researching this topic i saw just a ton of comments talking about how getting a colonoscopy made someone sick after the procedure or they had rectal bleeding or just a lot of issues that I'm sure doctors explain away as having nothing to do with the colonoscopy procedure. Okay. And one thing I know from my economics degree is that incentives really matter and hospitals and doctors, they're really highly incentivized to obscure responsibility and direct it away from themselves because it is a staggering cost when it comes to injuring somebody or making a mistake. Oh my gosh. And the nature of medicine is complexity too. So, I mean, if a doctor comes up to you and says, you know, your loved one died from an obscure problem that's one in a million chance that only happens because of a genetic predisposition the genetic predisposition you know how do you know if they're telling the truth you really don't you have to just trust them right you have to trust like a mechanic yeah you got to trust them um and there's there's i'm sure there's plenty of honest doctors out there but there are some doctors that don't want to get sued right i i would agree with that yeah so all that's to say i don't totally trust the stats on injuries and deaths 
from colonoscopies. Right. And I'm guessing it's higher than reported. Uh, and another thing is that all these stats that I'm giving you about injury and death rates, they came from around 2005, 2006. It's after Katie Couric had her colonoscopy televised. It's after the federal government started reimbursing colonoscopies under Medicare. In fact, some of the studies in the 90s show higher rates of injuries instead of a half a percent, like one and a half percent. Really? Yeah. And I know these numbers, they seem small, but you have to understand how they're looking at these from a public health perspective. So colorectal cancer rates are something like two and a half to five percent of the population with death occurring in about 25 percent to half of those numbers. So one and a half percent to what is that? Two and a half percent people actually dying from colorectal cancers. So as soon as complications from the screening itself start to approach the number of cases of cancer that you're screening for, the test itself becomes unjustified. Uh, yeah. That, that, so sense. like to give it an example, like say you have brain cancer, uh, say that it's a test for brain cancer and they do a biopsy and severe brain damage occurs in 25% of the people tested. Let's say that's the test. Okay. Terrible test, right? Obviously right. awful. But if brain cancer only occurs in 5% of the population, you're better off just not doing the test. The test is worse than the brain cancer. <laughs> Completely. Right. So that's that's part of the reasoning behind public health decisions. It's like a cost versus benefit. Right. So these these small numbers seem small, but they do matter. Some insurance adjuster went through all of this before it was approved. Yeah. And I don't know, the whole thing kind of made me think about a weakness in medicine today. It's called comparative effectiveness research. And I, I looked this up on this guy who's a gastroenterologist, and he, he actually, he's like a quote-unquote whistleblower or whatever, and he talks about this a bit. And this is where you test two different treatments to find out which one is more effective. Uh, and there's real, ev- there's like real incentive to not run these tests. Uh, there's a lot of money in marketing that go into creating like a new procedure to address something like, you know, gallbladder issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. The people behind these new procedures are often very loath to test it against an older procedure that they may find out is just as effective. And therefore, their new fancy robot or <laughs> whatever it is, you know, it's dead in the water. Right, obsolete. Yeah. Yeah, so we we actually talked a bit about this in episode 22 with the surgeries you shouldn't get where we discussed how certain knee surgeries were yep. no better than, yeah, same mm, thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So to get back to colonoscopies, um, these tests, you know, they're being pushed on everyone between 50 and 75 years of age. In 2000, 2001, there was no randomized data on mortality, safety data coming out in 2006. The question is, you know, do you think the companies, hospitals, and doctors pushing for colonoscopies, raking in the dough, are really going to put a lot of energy into really making sure this screening method makes sense in a public health type of way? Yeah, probably not. I don't know. I, it's it's a question you'd have to probably answer for yourself. You right. know, are they going to air commercials and billboards saying, you know, just kidding, we were wrong. Don't go get that colonoscopy. <laughs> Risk yeah. isn't worth it. Right, just like everything know. else. I know my answer, but you you. You probably have to decide for yourself. It's a choose-your-own-adventure on this one, guys. Now, in 2012, a study came out from Baxter and colleagues that, for the first time, definitively showed colonoscopies were effective at lowering mortality of colorectal cancer. So, the evidence is now there. Well, I know one person's life it probably saved. Yeah. So... No, no, no. colonoscopy, like I'm saying, colonoscopies are good. Completely, completely. Are good. But I was just saying, I have one story of where... If it didn't happen, it would have been really, really bad. 
totally. What I'm saying is from a public health perspective, now in 2012, a study came out that said from a public health perspective, it makes sense to do it to okay. everybody. Yes. That, that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what? again, it's like, you know, color me a little skeptical. After years of making oodles of money, it's like, hey, guys, remember this thing we did where we made all this money and it was it was great for us and, and this whole big industry got built? Turns out it was a good decision. I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little bit skeptical of, of that. Of course. You got to yeah. be. But technically, the evidence is there now. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, Canada has not jumped on the colonoscopy testing yet. And their public health agencies say that there is insufficient evidence that the costs and risk justify using it for mass screening. They still recommend the fecal occult blood test and the flexible sigmoidoscopy as routine screening for colorectal cancer. Wow. So Canada's not on that board. speaks volumes. Um, and these guidelines, by the way, they're for low-risk people who are between 50 and 75 without a family history or anything like that from the Canada uh, public health. So anyway, let's just wrap things up, summarize yeah. them. I'm obviously not a doctor, so I'm not giving you advice here on whether to get a colonoscopy or not. The show is called Quacks, if that didn't get you, uh, <laughs> give you a little hint. So my opinion from doing the research is that mass colonoscopy screenings were probably more motivated by monetary considerations than actual health considerations. I think the fact that the randomized data on lower mortality did not come out until 2012, and some of the good safety data did not come out until 2006, uh, when they're pushing the screenings in 2001, 2000, I think that's very sketchy. Now, I know every money-making operation that the medical field pulls, it has a kernel of truth to it. Yeah. So I'm not saying that colonoscopies are a bad test. They do catch cancers early and save lives. But I know that when like I turn 50 and my doctor starts putting the screws to get this test done, you know, onto me, mm-hmm. maybe trying to scare me a bit, I can say, well, you know, let's do the fecal occult blood test instead and see what it says. That's smart. Yeah. And, I and he'll of, be like, what? Huh? You know about that <gasps> test? <laughs> I kind of think that's the whole point of the show sometimes is just to arm you enough so that professionals can't scare you into doing something that's merely money making. Exactly. For them, you have you know? some additional information in your pocket. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if something's really bad and they're pushing you for drastic action, that's one thing. But if it's not a big deal. But and, even in that case, you want the most well-rounded, you know, thought process going into the, you know, you, you want to think about it from all angles and that's what we're doing here. And, they're not always going to tell you that in the medical profession. So totally. That's why I appreciate it. Yeah. It's just good to be informed. That's what this is about. Totally. It's being informed about these tests. So with all that said, if I did have some of these risk factors I mentioned before, like IBS or whatnot, I would go for it. I would do it. I mean, the test is relatively low risk. It could save you from cancer. So why not? Mm. Um, I've included links in this post about some of the natural things you can do to prepare for a colonoscopy, uh, along with some things you can take afterwards to prevent gastrointestinal issues. Like I think taking aloe vera is one and there's some others. Okay. I've also included a Mercola article on the same subject. Uh, it has some warnings on the procedure itself. You know, you can talk to your doctor about like whether the endoscope is sanitized correctly and all that stuff. So okay. uh, also there, just as a last note, there is a test called the virtual colonoscopy where they use a CT scan on your guts to virtually see how good your colon is doing. I would really need a good reason to do this. I would not personally do this at all. A CT scan of your abdomen and pelvis is like the highest dose of radiation in a test out there. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking at different tests. I could not find one that's higher. It's equal to something like 300 chest x-rays or some... It's a CT scan? Yeah, this is the CT scan of your abdomen and pelvis. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why? My daughter had two of those done in a very short amount of time. Yikes. I was not happy. It was in a very, I mean, they scared us into saying we didn't know what was wrong with her. And this was when she was three. Oh. And within two days, they did two of those things on her. Can you believe that? I didn't want them to do one. Wow. And But they're like, we don't know what's going to... Oh. So they I've did. been thinking about that a lot lately. And the fact that you just said that was... I was like dumbstruck by it. Yeah. So. so one thing that might make you feel a little bit better is generally it's the time directly after the CT scan where you're most at risk, okay. meaning the longer you go from when that happened and generally the less impact it's going to have. Yeah, there's so many important bits down there, though, you know, that you wonder you're not going to know about some of that stuff until down the road. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's crazy that you just brought that up. Yeah, it is crazy. Synergy. I mean, CT scans are really getting more in the news lately because they are. there is evidence showing that they do increase your risk of cancer. So you only get so many, like, quote-unquote, free ones, you know? You, you just don't want to use those. I think she's um, done with hers. We'll just <laughs> yeah, two CT scans in your life, that's nothing. I mean, you'll be okay. Three years old, though, that's crazy. I know, that is, that's, that's a little That's a high young. dose. I couldn't even believe it Yeah, in, in Los Angeles. I know. It's Children's th- Hospital. Shame on you. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's a whole reasoning behind, you know, if they get a diagnosis with it, it's worth the risk. It was a bacterial infection. It went uh, away on its own. Oh, geez. Yep. Uh, it feels bad. That was terrible. Yeah. A week in the hospital. Mm, I'm Not, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. It's good. It's that just, sucks. You know, those kinds of things that, I mean, you... I wish I would have known stuff like this back then. So yeah. that's why this is helpful for somebody else. I mean, you, you do need CT scans sometimes. I'm just advocating don't get the virtual. I mean, I'm saying for myself. I'm right. not making a recommendation. I'm saying don't get a virtual CT scan because you only get so many, quote unquote, free CT scans. Yeah. They do increase your risk of cancer. They're cumulative. I think each one increases your risk at like the first one's like 0.1% and then it, it kind of increases oh, God. At, a, at a certain, Great. you know, increasing rate or whatever right um anyway in the show notes i put put a risk calculator in there so if you want to type in what scans you can you've gotten yeah it'll actually tell you what your increased risk of cancer is okay if if you want to find that out you know sick fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah so anyway that's that's kind of what i got i think all in all when i hit 50 i'll ask for the uh fecal occult blood test that that'll that has some good evidence behind it, and it's not putting up putting I like anything it. up in my rear, and so yeah, that'd be good. Wear a bow tie when you order it. You sound very <laughs> sophisticated. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for this knowledge. You've spilled it all over. Yeah. Again. What do you think? You gonna rush out and get one, or I think I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna. How old are you? Forty six. I am. You see, they don't really recommend one until you're fifty. That's when they pounce on you. And it's they funny, though, because people have been, oh, you haven't done it yet? I'm like, no, dude. I haven't hmm. done it yet. Every, everybody wants to, you know, little known fact, Steve Martin at 40 started holding uh, parties where they would hang out at his house, all do the drinking of the stuff and Ugh. and purge basically at his house. And he made like and like a bunch of good friends, Chevy Chase and all those guys with Martin Short. That's gross. Yeah, for the colonoscopy parties. Yeah. So, no, anyways. not until 50. That's when they really start putting the pressure on you. Um, but, I mean, do you have any of those risk factors I mentioned? Not really. Not really. Yeah. Just the age. All right. You'll probably be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably don't have to worry about it. 
I'm freaked out now, so I am going to hold off, but we'll we'll <laughs> we'll get we'll we'll get back to it. Yeah. Circle back around. But thank All you, right. man. Now, next week's probably going to be a shorter episode. I will be out of town this weekend, so uh yeah. Cool. We'll have fun. I will. Where are you going? Minnesota. Nice. For a wedding. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful this time of year. Well, I've never been there. I've only been there in the winter, so I hope it doesn't snow or anything. I don't I think your chances are good. Okay. It's not going to. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Go to quackspodcast.com. Click our Amazon link if you feel like helping us out and shopping through our portal. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe as well. You can subscribe on iTunes. That's the best way to get the podcast is just to get a podcast player. uh, Subscribe in some way, and then it'll be delivered to your podcast player each week. Yes, and make your friends listen to it. I said don't ask them. Make them. (laughs) It's like you you have to make them eat the spinach. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is good for them. All right, thanks everybody. Thanks guys. Be well. Bye.